Hello and welcome to the latest edition of How Might We? And today's my guest is Joe Templin, all the way from over the pond in the US of A. And we're going to be talking about how might we become excellent? So, Joe, would you like to introduce yourself to the guests, please? Sure. So I'm Joe Templin. I am a self-taught polymath in a lot of ways. I say polymath as opposed to Renaissance man, simply because I can't draw a straight line, even with a ruler. As you notice, I've got a little bit of an attitude and self-deprecating humor. Everything's funny. I'm half Irish, so that's the way it is. And I am a human Swiss army knife. I am an ultra marathoner, a special needs parent, a martial arts champion, and author of the book, Everyday Excellence. Okay, so quite a mixed bag of stuff in there and lots of experiences. Yeah, you know, I have stuff to be able to pull out of the cabinet for almost any conversation I have with people. Okay, so that sort of flexibility has held you in good stead, uh, the experiences you've had. Yeah, and also, as some of my friends in, used to say, I'm the most interesting man in financial services. Okay, and not, not renowned for an inter- full of interesting people, I must admit, financial services. No. <laughs> not renowned for it. Okay, so you want to talk about how might we become excellent. What do you mean by yes. So the first thing is that excellence is like happiness in that It is individually defined, but there are some consistencies across individuals about what it constitutes happiness or excellence in a lot of ways. So for example, excellence is partially about the process of improvement because we all start off life as babies, okay? We can't take care of ourselves, we cry, you know, we eat, we poop. That's about all that we do. We sleep, hopefully. And that is literally how every single human being on the planet has started. Whether they become, you know, the most renowned martial artist on the planet, the greatest writer, you know, captains of industry, queen of England, they all started from that exact same position. So how do they determine where they want to be, what they want to become, and go about the process of doing that? That is the first critical component in discovering your own internal excellence, because we all have tremendous capacity that few of us even tap. In fact, no matter what I've accomplished, there's still so much more that's within me that I could unlock if I truly invested the time to do so. And every single human being is like that. So first, we need to start figuring out, okay, what does excellence mean to me? And For the person who is sitting there trying to get their degree while raising three kids, it is being able to pass the exams while at uni and then be able to get that degree so they can build a better life. To them, that is the next step of excellence. And that is a very critical thing. For other people, it might be winning that gold medal at the Olympics or making their first million dollars. Whatever it is, the first component of excellence is having a vision to be able to start working towards. And, you know, that vision, as it says in the Bible, people without a vision will perish. If you don't have something really important that you're working towards, you're going to found it. You're going to, you know, find any excuse to not put on the running shoes and go running. 
you're going to sit there and eat Cheetos and watch The Bachelorette instead of cracking the book. You're going to find any excuse possible to avoid doing the difficult things to become better simply because that is human nature. It reminds me a little bit. I saw somebody, a quote, and I can't remember who, who this quote came from. I remember where I, slow selling is where I saw them talk about it. And it says, those who have achieved in their lives or high performance, their common thing they think they, they've identified outside of actually knowing where they're going is, and you mentioned it a little bit there, is having or completing the habits that other people don't do. Yes. There's a great saying from, I believe it's Ernie Gray, a talk that I gave 100 years ago, actually, that successful people do what unsuccessful people are unwilling to do. And that is whether it's, you know, cutting up vegetables and having those instead of eating crisps, or it's spending five minutes every single morning reading so that you expand your mind and spirit. It is truly, as Zeno of Saitium said, well-being is no small thing, but it's made up of small things. It's those little decisions, the micro decisions, as I like to call them that over a day compound and determine whether you are better or worse overall and how many good days can you stack up in a week determines the path of your life essentially so go because what you said it's not that these people do things that other people are unable to do it's that they're unwilling to do i think there's a big difference between those two isn't there there's a huge difference so for example i'm a martial artist and we all start as white belts. We all start, you know, at the very beginning with no skills. In fact, I being, you know, the klutz that I am naturally, and I was highly, highly asthmatic. So I did not come on in with this immense athletic talent. But we all started and we all learned the exact same basic techniques. We learned to bow, learned how to stand, we learned how to throw a punch and a kick. And that's what they teach you in most places in your first couple of classes, first week, what have you. And then the question is, how often are you going to practice that? So it's just like your basic language if you're a salesperson. How often are you practicing those basics? How often as a musician are you practicing your scales so that you get that basic repetition? And that basic first punch that I learned 35 plus years ago, I still do that punch every single morning, 100 times minimum each hand. And I've done so essentially every day for 35 plus years. At this point, I've thrown over 10 million punches with each hand. I don't have to think about it, but I go back to that fundamental and repeat and build off of it. And that is how I've developed excellence in that space is starting with the fundamentals and then growing from there. And it doesn't matter what profession you're in. If you start with your fundamentals and master them, then build off of them, you can create excellence. And unfortunately, people don't want to do that because it's too much work and it's not, you know, taking the quick pill and, you know, solving all your problems in 30 seconds. It reminds me a little bit of what we said just before we came online, because this is totally unscripted and we've only just rocked up and even spoken before. Is that what could go wrong? Loads of things. You can't rewind life, but you can't fast forward it either. Exactly. So, you know, you can't microwave the baby, as we say. I've never heard that. I don't really want to microwave a baby, to be perfectly honest, but so it's not really. So it's a, it's a process. You know, it takes nine months, essentially, from the start of pregnancy until the time that that baby pops out. So it doesn't matter what you do, you can't accelerate. So you need to just buy into that process. 
becoming a very good musician is a process. Become, you know, climbing the ranks at work is a process. Yeah, there's things that you can do to make sure that you are doing it the proper way and sustainable, comes out healthy and you're ready for the next step, but you can't jump from step one to step six. Doesn't happen. I would tell you what you might be able to do is accelerate through that process. Right. But you can't, as you say, you can't jump. And I think sometimes it's, we, we look at these things, we've got like life hacks and hack your way to here. It's always like the quick fix that we seem to be looking at or be given in our lives at the moment. It can be quicker, but it's actually going to be not easier. So one of the things that we used to say is that somebody can be a fifth year agent or, or a third year agent in their first year or in their fifth year. It just depends on how many repetitions that are getting. So if you're going to have that consistent hard practice, Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hour rule, you know, you can squeeze that in, but you're still doing all of the repetitions. My Taekwondo master taught us that to do a technique, you have to execute a hundred times. To understand it, you have to do it a thousand and to master it, you have to do it 10,000 times. So, you know, you can do it once a day for years and years and years and slowly get good. Or you can suck it up and just do it and do it and do it and do it and repeat. So like, let's say that you have a business where you're in sales and you need to reach out to like a hundred people to be able to get your sales quota for the week. Well, you know, if you do that and it takes you till Friday to do it, okay. But what if you could find a more efficient way to do that same 100 quicker? or you suck it up and you just pound it and go and you do it on Monday. So that either gives you the opportunity to reach the bonus round really quick where you're making a ton more money, or you can take Fridays off and you know go to the pub with your mates or go hang out with your sweetie or whatever. So you get to, you know, discipline equals freedom is one of the things that Jocko Willick talks about. And it's having that discipline to do the hard stuff over and over again quickly so that you're still going to be doing hard things, but you're doing hard things at a higher level. And as such, you're getting the better results. And that is one of the ways to get your excellence. Okay, so we'll go go back because I think we jumped around a little bit. So we started off with how might we become excellent, as we said. And the first thing you said is that vision, having that, that clarity about what it means to you. And so it's happiness, it's individualized. There isn't, yeah, there isn't one definition of success. The yep. Success is contextual that and is individualized okay so you work with it you get your clarity on what does excellence mean for you what is that achievement you're trying to get <clears throat> excuse me is it then when you start working on okay how do i need to do that what steps do i need to take yeah because people for example join martial arts and they see the black belts and they're like i want to be able to do that or they saw a movie and they want to be able to do all the cool stuff that they saw there karate kid or what have you so they have a vision but then they start figuring out how to achieve it so in martial arts it's like okay you come here and we tell you what to do and we rank you up over time and you have to do the hard work but we guide you if you're an entrepreneur it's a little bit different because you might have this vision of okay i want to build this excellent you know company that's going to change the world but people aren't giving you a playbook of do X, Y, then Z, and all of a sudden you're the next unicorn. So you have to figure it out on the fly. I think it was Peter Thiel who said that sort of like jumping off of a cliff and building the airplane on the way down. 
So that is how life is in a lot of ways. So you need to figure out what you want to do, start taking the first steps, even if that first step is right off the cliff and you figure it out on the way, and then doing what you need to to build whatever it is that gets you to then fly, whether it is cracking the books and having your study plan and doing the homeworks and all that to pass the test, whether it is taking the time to every morning tell your significant other how much you care about them and having one night a week that's set aside for just the two of you, no kids. And so that you can invest the time to have excellence in that relationship, whether it is taking the time to stand in front of a mirror and look like an idiot while you practice your performance or your speech or what have you, so that you improve in that capacity so that you can be excellent to do what you need to do there. Whatever it is, it's having the vision, then figuring out the plan to get there and executing along the plan. And that comes back to what we started with, with happiness, is that one definition of happiness that I've heard is continuous progress towards something significant. Okay, so if your goal is to build this huge organization and you fall in love with the process of building that organization and doing the grinding work and the occasional great success and setback you can handle, then you're happier because you are doing something significant over time. That could be running the ultra marathon. That could be getting your black belt. That could be, you know, mastering the guitar. That could be writing your book. So having something big that you're working towards that's significant and having your process that you're executing on, buying into it, having essentially that face that you're doing the right thing and getting your feedback along the way, that is one way to have happiness, but it's also the path to excellence. Quite like what you said is we're clear on where we're going, but say fall in love with the process. Yes. And you know, the process sometimes sucks. I mean, you're going to have setbacks all along the way, especially the bigger the thing that you're trying to achieve, the more setbacks that you're going to have. But one of the things that we talk about within startup companies is de-riskifying. How can we break it down to small steps with short feedback loops that you can know either work or don't work? They either make you better or worse on a very small loop, you know, a couple of seconds as opposed to a couple of weeks and hundreds of hours of work is one thing, but if you can get feedback under five minutes so that you can make the micro changes and have better micro decisions, that ultimately is going to improve your outcomes overall. And you're gonna have a whole bunch of tiny little wins. And we actually remember more of our wins than our losses. So having more wins, even if they're tiny, they can add up and have a greater psychological effect than trying to get those couple of big wins. And one of the things that I talk about very often is one of the ways to be excellent overall is a mindset. And the mindset is that in any situation, in any decision or micro decision, because we make about 10,000 micro decisions every single day, you're basically going to have two potential outcomes from it. You, you can lump you know, a whole variety of things into these two buckets, essentially. One is the easy choice. It feels good in the moment. It's the lower energy requirement very often. So 
it is the sitting on the couch playing video games instead of getting up and cracking the book and studying for the exam. It is avoiding the difficult discussion with that significant other or with your boss or somebody that you need to have that talk with, you know, especially if you have teenagers like I do. I, I see too many parents avoiding those difficult conversations. It is the, you know, eating the donut as opposed to the apple. I love donuts, okay? Don't get me wrong. I'm a donut fiend, but I haven't touched one in a while and I won't until after Easter. So it's that it feels good in the moment, but it leads to the worst outcome because if you have that cigarette and it feels good, guess what? You just shortened your life by approximately nine minutes, okay? You sit on the couch and don't work out and your waistline expands and you get diabetes and you have all the bad problems there. So the path that seems easy, that feels good in the moment, typically leads you into worse and worse decisions overall. The other group of decisions are the hard choices. Generally, the right choices. They take more energy. They take more effort. The I'm going to crack the book and study and pass the exam so I get this degree and eventually can get a better job. It's the I'm going to go run five kilometers, even though it's raining out, I know it's gonna suck, but it's gonna make me better and give me reserves that I can tap into on other bad days. The, I'm gonna pick up the phone and call that one potential client that scares me, okay? So that moment of fear that I'm overcoming is gonna have better results no matter what. Even if I don't get that client, I've still faced that fear and that gives me more internal strength to be able to make harder decisions down the road. And that's the way that you build up essentially your mental muscles to be able to do the more difficult things. So choosing the harder path as opposed to the easy path is leads to better potential choices that you'll make down the road. You know, the problems of a successful individual and the problems of an unsuccessful individual, both of the which create stress in their lives, but the person who has $5 million in the bank, as opposed to the person who doesn't have a pot to piss in, guess what? They're making very different choices in life, even though they're both difficult choices that they're making. And their current situation is reflective very often, not always, but for the most part of previous decisions that they made. So make the best choice at that point in terms of the overall that ends up increasing your potential for the future. So make the more difficult choice now to have better outcomes and an easier life down the road. And so in bringing this back to excellence, in the movie Deadpool 2, Colossus tells Deadpool four or five moments. Four or five moments is what it takes to be a hero. For us on an individual basis, it's those four or five micro decisions every day that end up determining whether our arrow is pointing up for the day or down for the day. So there's a book, it's slightly different, but the book about, I think it's Tim Roth, Tim Roth wrote it from Gallup and it's about those interactions and how full is your bucket and everything we do has a consequence for us and the other people around us so if we can try and have that positive impact it's better for us it's better for the environment it's better for the people we react to very few of our decisions are neutral yeah you know, like almost none of them it's constant either improvement or decline and so choosing to do the little things that make you better add up tremendously you know one of the examples that i use is that if somebody through their daily choices, expends 100 calories per day more than the, what they consume. So 
So that's a combination of what they eat, what they drink, but also what they're doing. You know, are you taking the stairs instead of taking the lift? Are you parking, you know, a quarter mile away and walking in? Are you walking to the store instead of driving or taking the tube? All these little things that add up. 100 calories a day is roughly one pound per month, which is 12 pounds for a year. For the decisions that, the micro decisions that relate to essentially 100 calories a day. So that is literally four or five small decisions as to what to eat and you know whether to sit on your butt or to take a five minute walk. So again, it's all guys, it just seems that there's a the common theme around here is, it, is except to say the mindset is the decisions I make now, every single one has a, has a consequence further down the road. And it's about looking at those consequences over the decision you make now. Exactly. And so Kahneman ended up earning the Nobel Prize in economics for the, his research that led to thinking fast and slow. And too often we're making that gut reaction. Too often we're making the quick decision that seems easy. And the quick, easy decision generally is the wrong one. And so slowing down our processes, which for somebody like me who's high speed and has ADHD can be very difficult, but a moment of planning prevents an hour of unnecessary work. Taking a couple of seconds to evaluate a situation before bursting on in can help avoid a lot of negative consequences. So thinking before you speak, pausing before you write that response email, these little things will help prevent the major negative events that severely interfere with achieving your excellence overall. So do you think an important part of what you're talking about there is the ability to create space to respond rather than react? Yes. So one of the things that professional athletes talk about all the time is slowing down the game. And so we need to be able to slow down the game of life. I think COVID in some ways has helped people do that. Yes, because it eliminated a lot of the unnecessary. So for example, before COVID, I was doing a lot of speaking. And so I would have three or four remote talks per week. And I was getting to the point where I was doing about two that per week that were going to be scheduled where I'd be on the road. All of a sudden that disappears. So I don't have to deal with the travel and all that. So even though that was a potential negative in terms of the lost revenue and opportunities, it gave me time, you know, not having to have the kids to three different events every single day created time that we could spend with each other and time that we could do things like, you know, teaching them how to cook a healthier meal. Cause I'd been doing all the cooking up until that point for them, but I was then able to take the time to teach them so that they can do that sort of stuff now. And now that frees up a little bit more time overall because, you know, my 15 year old can turn around and make a nice healthy dinner. So I don't have to do it every single night. So again, that's another thing. One thing I, I quite like looking at for people is their capabilities and accepting their capabilities and say, do you want to achieve this? But also what team do you need around you to help you generate that outcome? So, you, so a lot of it we can't do on our own. Oh, absolutely. So that's one of the reasons why the first or the second day of the book for the year, 
I have everybody do a SWOT analysis so that they understand what they're good at and what they're not good at. And so I know the things I'm definitely not good at. And so I either eliminate them if possible, or I outsource them wherever possible so that I can have somebody else who can do it a lot better than me, take care of it. And it allows me to focus my time on the things that either can bear greater results within the business or greater personal results, like spending time with the kids or being able to go out and run or take time to write. And that then allows us to maximize the good in the world by allocating resources. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I quite like the, the the outlook of strengths for that. It's basically, do you know what? You, we're all good at certain things, and other people are good at other things. Let's let's lean into our strengths yep. instead of worrying too much about weaknesses. Because so if you invest in your strengths, the it's like an exponential growth in that area compared to time invested in areas that you're not so good at. Right. I mean, if if you're playing a complete game like golf, you need to work on your strengths so that if you do hit in the bunker, you can get on out of there. But people are really remembered for how they overcame weaknesses and turned them into something neutral. It is doubling and tripling down on your capabilities and becoming world class within one space. As Bruce Lee said, I do not fear a man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once. I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. So is going back to that practice idea that I had earlier of becoming excellent within certain arenas, you know, find what you're good at, find your passion, find something like that and really go with it. And that's how you can become truly excellent in one area. And the mindset of unlocking that excellence is a cross-disciplinary skill that you can apply to other arenas. Which I think is good because I, I think a lot of times we think we learn something in one place and we say, oh, I learned that here and it just stays in this little box. And the way I look at it is I, I see much more the, the life as a sort of a dot to dot book. Mm-hmm. So these, and the dots of what I've learned, what I've experienced. And I say, okay, which ones can I draw into this situation? Which ones are going to help me now? And which ones can I pull from? So I see learning as learning. And it's it's not compartmentalized into any aspect. It's like, okay, these are things I've learned, developed, skills, whatever it is I've experienced. That as Because you are a whole being, aren't you? You're not a person at work and a person at home. You are a person. Exactly. And so, you know, is that a person who is highly conscientious about their work? Is that an individual who, you know, is known for going above and beyond or for creativity? Because, I mean, if you're highly creative in terms of how you do one thing, then you probably bring that mindset into other areas. If you are very focused on being a good person in terms of your relationship with your significant other, you're probably going to bring that same sort of concept in some of the things that work in that space into the work environment or into your relationships with your friends or other areas. So it's being able to build these skills that are cross-functional and applicable in multiple arenas. And that is one of the key tools of excellence because the discipline to be successful in one space helps out in a lot of ways. The mindset of breaking down to fundamentals, like I did with the martial arts, that turned around and assisted in being able to be successful in business because I used the exact same mindset. Okay? And then the 
consistent practice that doing the things every day that was helpful as an athlete that turned around and I was able to use that in terms of writing to every single day, whether I felt like it or not, sit down and write. And some days it was good writing and some days it was not quite so good. I threw most of it in the garbage, but it was that I'm showing up and doing it every single day and having that attitude that comes across and allows you to be successful in multiple arenas. I think it was, was it Jack Nicholson said, the more I practice, the luckier I seem to get. Exactly. Oh, that's a good thing. So if you had to sum it up in, say, a couple, because obviously you've written the book and, and helping people deliver this daily excellence towards that, what would you say sort of the key things would be, sort of so everything we've talked about over the last like 30, 40 minutes, where you would put together and say, right, this is sort of your roadmap to delivering excellence? The roadmap is first figure out what you want to be excellent in. You know, get that vision that we talked about build a plan, you know, and even if it's a loose plan, even as like Star-Lord says in Guardians of the Galaxy, I got 12% of the plan. That's actually a good start simply because things are going to change along the way. As Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face and life is going to punch you in the face repeatedly. So you, you need to be able to take it and keep moving forward as Rocky Balboa says, but also you need to be able to adjust and change how you're going about it because not getting punched in the face is better than getting punched in the face, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, learning on the fly, but then it's the daily focus of I'm going to show up and I'm going to do my work and having strategies around that, whether you're using James Clear's habit stacking, which I'm a huge fan of, whether it's applying Pomodoro method to be able to chunk up small amounts and be able to crank through them, whether it's occasionally just removing yourself from the situation and decompressing so that you can refill your tank so that you're more effective. These are all little tools along the way, but they are ways to make sure that you are continuously executing on your plan to get to wherever your goal, your vision of excellence is. Okay. And it, and I, th- I, I like the thing about the, having that, that feedback loop, which is important in business, but I think it's important for us because there's a guy called Elvin Turner wrote a book called Be Less Zombie. And in that, one of the chapters is experimentation is the rocket fuel of innovation. Yep. So, And that's what your plan is. We talked about it yesterday. I was talking to Carol in a previous podcast. He said, your plan is where you want to go with a load of assumptions built into it. Yes. And you need to then be ready to challenge all those assumptions along the way. And remember, the river is going to cut through the rock. It's going to get to the place that it ultimately wants to be, even if it has to take detours. And that's the way life is in a lot of ways. The analogy that I use with younger people that I'm mentoring, especially like teenagers like my kids, is if we look at life like it is a giant video game, Okay, and our goal in this game is to get to the castle in the end, save the princess, get the chest of gold and all that. You know, that is the main quest, but we might have to make all these side quests along the way. You might need to go into the tavern and talk to the crazy old guy to find some information. You might need to, you know, go into this, you know, dark side area to get a resource, whether it's a person or a potion or something like that. You might need to go into the tavern and sleep overnight to recharge, okay? If you look at life like that sort of quest, all these side quests, whether it's 
know, the business that didn't work out, that relationship that failed, that class that you took in college, you know, this, you know, interesting conversation with somebody, this great podcast on how do we become, you know, these little side quests give you the resources necessary to ultimately succeed in the main quest of getting whatever that treasure is and saving whoever it is that you're trying to save. So being able to look at it and say, all right, I didn't waste this time. I was able to be successful in some capacity. And having that attitude is what makes it better off overall. So what did I learn and how can I feed that learning back into where I want to go? Which, I'm, I'm sorry, I lost you there. For a uh, what, did, what did I learn and how can I utilize that new learning to help me move forward in whatever it is? And I think that's the thing businesses is because we don't look at the, the successful businesses do that in what they do. They don't look at it as a failure. They said, yeah, it didn't work, which is cool because it, maybe it wasn't meant to work. But what did we learn that's useful for the rest of, or in other aspects of the business that may help us? Exactly. So as my father always said, it's, you know, that pearl of wisdom or excellence that you find from every meeting or every seminar that you attend or book that you read or what have you. So you find the pearl, which very often you remember pearls come about from something that is annoying the oyster. Mm -hmm. And so it develops something from it. So if we can find those pearls in every situation, you get enough of those pearls, you can end up having a very rich life. Indeed. So again, it's back to mindset. Exactly. Mindset generates action. Exactly. It's a, it's a feedback loop. So you improve your mindset, you improve your action, you do actions to improve your mindset. And you keep that as, keep that as fresh and then you just keep it, you keep your true north, which is where you want to be in the end. Just keep that. You say Exactly. Like, and sometimes you might have to, you know, go over a fallen tree or around to the ditch or whatever. But if you know where you're trying to get to, and you keep going, eventually you end up there. It's like the sailing, isn't it? They tack for the wind. Yeah, change, they still go that way, but that's the best way to get to where I want to go, even though it's not exactly because the context and the circumstances and what's around us, that's it. And the, the, the more experienced, better sailors can read those quicker, understand it quicker, and make the adjustments better. Exactly. And so, you know, ultimately, we should all be pirates trying to get that, you know, booty. It just sounds like I've never sailed in my life, but you know, I've talked to people who do sail, so I'm kind of using their experiences. <clears throat> I don't, I don't, I'm not a great fan of getting too wet, to be honest. So I, I, I love the water, but it's just too, too. As cold. long as it's over there. No, I, I quite like being in it when it's not cold, and I live in the UK, so that's not very often. <laughs> when I learned to scuba dive, it was we dive in and it was like, oh, I couldn't see anything, but I love the experience because it, it was really weird seeing experiencing the thing about underwater. I really loved is you experience life in 360 degrees. Whereas on yes. the ground, you tend to experience it on the flats. Scuba diving is the closest experience that a human can have to actually fly. I can, yes, especially if you hit a drift. Yeah. And so like, you're just there and as a scuba diver, it is beautiful because you're literally in this alien environment your senses are completely different because, I mean, you're hearing everything that's going on with the water. You have no sense of smell. Your vision is very different under there. And you are more in tune with your breathing and the feel of the environment around you. Yes, it's much, yeah, the sensory experience is different. Unfortunately, I've got, I developed sinus problems, so I can't scuba dive anymore because of the change in pressures 
doesn't do me many favours, but it was an interesting, especially the drift dive. The guy told us, said, just imagine you're at the cinema and this is the movie reel. And we just hit, cool. just hit a drift and just followed it and just whatever happened underneath us is what we watched. It's phenomenal. So it's basically, it's a lucky dip movie reel. You don't know, it could be a romance, it could be a thing. You don't know what you're going to get, but enjoy the experience along the way. It's great. It's probably as long as it's like not Jaws, you're good. Yeah, I did. I didn't want the horror movie to be honest. That's not the one I was going for. <laughs> to be done, that was and the night dive was interesting as well because then you're massively depriving your sensory even more. Mm-hmm. Diving at night is interesting. So that was all the build-up dives we had to do to get our qualifications, but yeah, it was good fun. Good. And, and so, think- see, you know, those experiences you can bring in and draw from in terms of other things within your life. And that is one of the reasons why we talk about these side quests. And also when you find somebody who has taken a similar side quest, you know, we can have this couple of minutes of deep discussion around a passion for a moment. That is one of the things that, you know, all of a sudden I'm much more amped up than I was 45 minutes ago before we started talking. And hopefully it's made you smile a little bit. And so we now have not only a shared experience, but also we both have a better feeling that we're going to carry forward through the rest of our day. So this is one of the things about doing, creating excellence in the world is having these small interactions with other individuals where both of them end up better for it because we're both going to go on out around the rest of our day and I'm going to interact with probably another half dozen people you're going to interact with at least another half dozen people. And so we're both in a slightly up pointing arrow for the day. And hopefully that can be shared with these other individuals. And that then creates a multiplicity effect. That and that's one of the reasons for trying to make sure early in the day, you're doing the right thing so that your mindset is proper and positive for the entire day. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that, that really does resonate with that book, How Full Is Your Bucket? And that every interaction you have is, it's never, is rarely, hardly ever neutral. But if it's a negative interaction, it impacts you and the other person. So if you're, so even if you shout at somebody because you're frustrated, you, you you empty their bucket, but psychologically also damaging your own. So if yep. you look at, if you look at everything, say so how can I fill my bucket and the people around me? In every single again, it's that micro thing, is in it's and there's another guy who wrote a book about flourishing leadership and that's the same get that spiral going upwards rather than the spiral going downwards. Right. Or it's the concept of lighting other people's candles, because if I can bring light into your world, you know, and I can help light your candle in some capacity, it does not diminish my own, does it? Oh, but right. if I'm extinguishing my candle for, you know, creating darkness or bad mood or whatever, then that carries over to other individuals. Absolutely. So there's, a, there's a, a, these things are things we know, but it's having that discipline. I think an important aspect, as you say, is that self-awareness as well. Where am I today? How can I create that space so that I can make the right decisions? At the right. And level? one of the things about that is I'm glad that we've had this conversation where we've brought in all these other authors and books and you know ways of looking at it, because the bigger your tool chest, the more capability that you have to be able to find the right thing in that moment. So one of your listeners might take away something from our discussion about scuba diving. Another one might take away something about the martial arts. Another one might take away something from about the bucket. And by giving an entire smorgasbord 
of different concepts that all ultimately help feed the soul, feed the mind, then people will be able to walk away and be full in the proper way, no matter how the, what their taste is in that situation. And so that is one of the cool things about exposing yourself to a whole variety of podcasts or books or people is that it allows you to have a greater choice as to how to go about ultimately getting fullness in your belly and your life. Okay, lovely. I think that is a great place to finish. I think it's just, as you say, pick the stuff, and that's really important, pick the stuff that suits you and sits on your shoulders well. Because if all you have a ha- if all you have in your toolbox is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah, exactly. Like huge toolbox, then you can choose the right one that one works for you as a person and also then in the context for which you want to use it. So the bigger it is, the better chance you have of choosing that right as master toolsmen have, they have lots of tools mm-hmm. and they've probably got one they use the most because it's the most effective one for them. Correct. That's it. Okay. Lovely. Tim, it was, sorry, Tim, Joe, don't know where Tim came from. Hello. It's an absolute pleasure talking to you and thank you very much for your enthusiasm and talking about excellence and say, so hopefully people will get away and there'll be links in, in the, on the podcast from your information from you and your books, etc. So if people want to find out more, just click on the links and you'll be able to do so. So, Joe, Scott, this has been fun. I've learned a lot. Be excellent and grow today. Thank you very much for your time. 